Shalom, everyone. This is Dr. Dina Dye with Returning to Eden and my fellow co-host, Jeff Morton, hiding away up in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, Hi everybody. Jeff. I'm good. Good to be here. We got, a lot, we got a lot going on tonight, Dina. Yeah, there's no way we're getting all through this in 30 minutes. <laughs> Jeff and I have been talking for the last 30 minutes, and now we want to try to repeat everything we said, and we hardly remember because we were so excited about what we were talking about. Uh, well, before we get started, oh, what? Well, we also talked earlier today, so uh, we've got a lot, a lot that we're going to try to try to get uh, get across tonight. So, so get ready, hang on to your seats. Okay. Well, I don't want to waste too many words here, but I, it's just a reminder that I'm going to be in Tacoma, Washington, at El Shaddai Ministries, September the 16th. I really hope you'll come. I, there's two services, so if you can't make the first one at 10, I believe the second one is at one one o'clock. 1230? Something, something uh, like that. 12:30, I believe. Yeah, check the check the El Shaddai uh, web Hopefully, that information is up there. And uh, it'll be a busy day in the evening. Around six, we're going to be meeting at Sarah and Ken's house. And this is just for the ladies. And we're probably from six to nine. So I'm going to share with them, uh, partly from the teaching, uh, wisdom in the world outside of time. And while we're doing that, Jeff will take my husband somewhere. <laughs> we're gonna get a beer. That's just way too much estrogen for them, so they'll, yeah. they'll have fun doing that. I'm looking forward to that. Really All right, to that. and I'm really looking forward to coming up there. It's gonna be great. So, uh, in the theme of our image bearers and trying to figure out where to start here, I, I thought I'd go back to. The concept of the image bearer was to reflect the praises of God into creation and to perfectly mirror the image of God in this world. Of course, Adam, the image bearer, started out in the garden. Now, he was exiled out of the garden, and we talked about him moving into the field where all the beasts and the jackals and the whatever else existed. But the concept of the image bearer mirroring the image of God has not changed. The thing is, when they're out in the field, instead of mirroring the image of God, they begin to mirror the image of the beast. The serpent was the beast in the field. And Jeff and I were just talking about this in terms of what's going on in our country, because that is a similar pattern. And so we have chaos and pandemonium in our country, and as we look at the leadership, I don't care, you know, we're not picking on anybody, the whole of the government, uh, the halls of Congress, the White House, the power, uh, the, God, the power elites, it looks from where we sit as total chaos and that there's nothing we can do, it's all just going to collapse. But the reality is, is because his image bearers mirror him, the king, we are now a reflection of what's going on in the halls of power. And so I believe that the chaos we're seeing is a result of his people living in chaos. His people aren't supposed to live in chaos, but what's happened is we are unable to separate ourselves from the culture. I think that the syncretism between us and the culture is causing this, what we see in the halls of power. So, Jeff, you want to comment on that? Well, you know, I... This is going to take a little bit of wrapping your mind around something new or different or actually the reality of our situation. The Bible tells us that if my people would pray and et cetera and so forth, and you're all familiar with those passages, 
But what we do is we take that concept and we put it into a a church type mindset or a a religious type mindset when really we're talking about a governmental institution that the king shall rule and reign over the entire earth with. It is based on covenant. It is based on us entering into a covenant relationship with the king. It is based on the laws and the statutes in the kingdom, not the sermon or the flavor of the month, so to speak. And Dina, you and I were talking about the word king and kingdom earlier today and how the word kingdom is feminine in the Hebrew. Uh, it's what is it? Mam, Mamluk? Malkut. 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 Yeah, Malkut. Malkut. Yeah. And and how the king would be the male, and so the two becoming one are representative of the house, the cosmos, the kingdom, the tabernacle, everything, and they're all governed by the statutes, the commandments, and the laws that support life. And right now, we're looking in this little peephole at what's happening in our country and around the globe, and there's absolute chaos out there because the people that are the image bearers of the king and the kingdom are in chaos and pandemonium. All you yeah. got to do is spend five minutes on Facebook and you will confirm that. Trust me. Yeah. The greatest sewer he's on the planet. <laughs> can be. Yes, it is. So this is, so in the, in the ancient world, the king was, when he was installed and crowned and inaugurated, etc., he was, and we talked about this, he was to be the benevolent ruler. He wasn't a dictator, he wasn't an autocrat, he wasn't a tyrant. He was benevolent. And so because of, and the way he ruled was based on, now the Hebrew word that I'm going to use here, a dut, uh, it's called the testimonies. So we could kind of translate that into the Torah. So when a king was installed, he was given a, a testimony, the testimonies, the edut, which instructed him on how to rule rightly, the kingdom. Now, when the king didn't rule rightly and made bad decisions and bad judgments, then this would begin to affect the natural world. It wasn't like, okay, it was a, you know, it was a bad deal, but you know, we'll clean it up. This began to seep into the entirety of the natural world when the king did not rule rightly based on the Torah commandments. And so how it affected the natural world would be things like famine and pestilence and plagues and stuff falling out of the sky and you know cataclysmic events. And the ancients understood that they saw a relationship between these types of things happening and their behavior in turn and their relationship to the king. So we, we've separated it all. Now we've got government is over there and government, you know, government is stupid, government's in chaos, but I'm over here and I'm good. No, 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 Nanette, these, these things are, in, are, you know, integrated. And so the legal rulings of the king have an effect, but the behavior of the people have an effect as well. And so we're just trying to show you. I, I do believe God's people, well, I'm talking about the United States because, you know, the rest of the world's another thing, but... It, it, there, if there was ever a time for if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and mm -hmm. pray and repent, uh, it's now. I mean, we've been saying, I've been saying this for at least 25 years, but my goodness, uh, now's the time. But, but I would even add to that, and I agree completely, but 
but when Dina says that, we automatically, you know, see ourselves on our knees and we're praying and God, we need you to do this and God, we need you to do that. And what God is basically saying in his word and through his prophets and through the writings is, if you see a stop sign, don't run it. If you, if you see your neighbor's horse in a ditch, go save it. I don't care if it's on the Sabbath. I don't care what day of the week, what hour. What, if you see your enemy and he's and you need to pray for him, those are the legal ramifications of the covenant that we agreed upon when we accepted the blood. And it's no different today. And so, the, so we're waiting for the Father to fix us, and the Father's saying, "Stop running the stop sign." Obey the laws. Just take yes. the ten words as one example and just do them. In other words, I wrote something on Facebook and it said, what if our relationships were based on a courtroom and not on a conference room? What if our relationships and how we treated our brother and sister and how we spoke to one another and how we helped one another were based on the judge overseeing everything to make sure we were doing it according to the laws of the nation and not the church wondering if we were ever going to repent. What if we decided to just do the laws and do the legal footwork and honor our, our brothers and honor our widows and take care of the orphans and not speak ill of each other? What if we did those things as opposed to what's happening in the beast's realm that we are all practicing yeah we talked about as well the concept of faith because it's so abstract and because it's abstract in our modern day language we view faith as a feeling so today I'm feeling I'm feeling it I'm feeling the faith today I'm in the kingdom you know tomorrow I wake up not so much but it doesn't have anything to do with your feelings and the faith, faith in the ancient world covenant structure really meant loyalty. It's acts of loyalty that you would do in a relationship between two people. You would be loyal. So that's concrete. Your loyalty to the king is concrete. And that is really what faith is. And so you maintain that loyalty and you do whatever you have to do in the relationship to express or exercise loyalty. So if we could just shift from faith to the concept of loyalty and maybe that would help. Well I, I went around uh, a discussion over and over because the person was saying well faith is the cornerstone of everything that that we really kind of believe and I went yeah but we have to understand the concept of faith in the ancient world because that's the lens that we have to view it in and the faith is that we trust the king and so we want to do the honor is in the trust of the king and that what the king has set up in order to promote life, we have faith in it. We believe it. And therefore, it's a good thing to honor our neighbor. It's a good thing to do the things that God set forth for mankind to really abide by. When you take away the rules and the laws and all of the statutes and the commandments that support life, you have abortion murder, adultery, all of the corruption, all of the things that all of the things that Cain dragged his brother out in the field and killed him for because that was more attractive to him than honoring the king. 
so much so that he was willing to kill his own brother and suffer the consequence as opposed to obey the structure that was set up in order to promote the next line which would bring forth the Messiah that would be righteous as opposed to religious. I, I really, really, really am stuck here on this, Dina. Well, and I think, you know, I do try to share this when I go places because certainly in the Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Movement, whatever we're calling it, there is uh, an obsession with observance to the point of ridiculous and people getting into areas of how to observe to where they don't even talk to one another because this one's saying this is how you do it. And a lot of what is observed today really actually is tradition and not actual, you know, observance. Um, Yeshua, he, he didn't walk around going, this is what you do. He basically was looking at it more as this is how you do it. This, it's all a matter of the heart. He, he rules on the halakhic part of the observance instead of getting into a fight over the, what the observance is. So to me, the focus on the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, is critical because that is in the realm of character. And that is key. I just encourage people to pattern their lives after that. And I don't worry so much about your... I mean, I'm not saying not to set aside the, the, the Shabbat because after all it is in the Ten Commandments. Right. But to be obsessed with these things on... I mean, we're becoming just like Judaism doing that. I don't see the difference. The difference is the heart, and that's where the commandments come in. And, and, and I would even add to what Dana's saying, folks, as we try to return to Eden, return to the sacred base where the king will rule, that if we're going to keep the Sabbath, and if we're going to honor the festivals, and if we're going to observe the calendar, then we might as well honor our neighbor, too. We might as well stop acting like the Facebook wrecking crew, we, if we're going to practice these things, then we ought to practice the relationships that really, truly echo the light of Messiah in all of our lives. If we don't do that, then I clearly see why in Isaiah it says your, your festivals and your new moons and all this crap, I don't want nothing to do with it because it's, it's about you. It's not about me and the things that I'm doing to promote life. And, and right now we got all these people that are watching the eclipse and all this stuff going on, and I'm sitting here going, you know, look at our brothers and sisters in the streets tearing down statues and rioting and all this bickering going on. And I just, I've had some instance, incidences in my personal life here this weekend where I'm like, you know, Father, if it's, what am I trying to say? I'm, I'm realizing something, folks, not really just lip service on this, but if I just look at the ten words, if I just look at the ten words, hear and shma, do them, then it almost excites a certain honor to serve a benevolent king who would go through so much in order to have just one of us redeemed. Yeah. And really, you want to know the fastest way to change our country? <laughs> Cleave to those Ten Commandments. If every person in every family who is in covenant with God were to do that, this country would change overnight. 
But, you know, as long as we're sitting there watching garbage on TV and joining ourselves in on the holy discussions on the Internet, I'm sorry, you know, th this is not covenant behavior. This is behavior that doesn't match up to the, to the commandments of God. And this is all part of that self-worship. So the biggest thing that Adam did when he was in the garden by eating the fruit was basically he was declaring himself to be equal to God. I mean, he might as well be God. And I, I talk about this in my book because I maintain that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, quote, unquote, the justice tree. And really, true justice, perfect, pure justice can only come from God. He can impart it to his people, but the source of true justice can only come from him. And so the essence of, of Adam eating from a tree, they had no business eating from poisoned him. So in Philippians, it talked about what Yeshua, about Yeshua is as though he was not, uh, though he was in the form of God. So this is our Adam speak. Uh, he did not regard equality with God, something to be possessed by force. On the contrary, he emptied himself and that he took the form of a slave by becoming like humans are. So he emptied himself and became as a servant. You know, Adam filled himself with the fruit and be, as in an, an effort to be equal to God. And so I think that's the nuts and bolts of all of it is basically self-worship. And self-worship on steroids is narcissism. And that is, that is where our country is at. Well, and, you know, uh, true to the same thing, you said something, uh, one of the shows recently, you said, if, if we look at the Messiah as a tabernacle, which was raised up after it was destroyed. If we look at him being raised up, then we see the reestablishment of the tabernacle of David has commenced. Now all we need to do is fill the house with the people that are willing to obey the words, even the ten words. And so I thought that was a beautiful parallel because when the, when the Israelites went out into the wilderness, the very first thing they erected was the tabernacle, Solomon built a tabernacle. The Herod refurbished it for whatever was going on in his brain. But nevertheless, those things were the center of the activity of the kingdom. Not, yes, Juda because, not right. Judaism, not Christianity, but a governmental system whereby the king would rule and reign the nations. That's, you said it yourself, it's about building the house. Yeah, and that's the message of Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 1 sets the pattern, and now the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness is exactly the pattern of Genesis 1. So a house is built, and then a king is installed. The tabernacle is built in the wilderness. So it, it, before creation, whether we had non-order or chaos, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but out of non-order and chaos, a house was formed, the cosmos was formed. We go to the wilderness. The wilderness and the wasteland and the desert in the ancient world was viewed as a place of chaos. So in a place of chaos, a tabernacle is raised up and set, and the king is installed. Now, the, king served, the, the, the king's representative in the tabernacle was Moses. The king's representative in the cosmos was Adam. It's exactly the same. The structure and building is exactly the same. And so, again, Moses served, served as the king in that, in that area. And so 
the king, it's not like he's just this king who sits there and doesn't do anything. There is a structure in which we've been talking about. Is It's a governmental structure. And, you know, it was a great system, worked really well, and we don't even recognize that. And we talked about in Isaiah, uh, on, you know, uh, the government will be on his shoulders. I mean, there's a reason they use the word government. And so the tabernacle was in the middle. The presence of God was in the tabernacle. The king sat on the throne and ruled there, and then all around were the, were the tribes. And the tribal leaders were part of the government, and then it worked its way down to the, to the folks. And if we believe, now listen carefully, folks, and I'm not lecturing you. Dean and I are not lecturing any of you. That's not what we're talking about. We've had some passionate discussions about this, and the heart of returning to Eden is, is, is really, really, really think about what I'm about to say. In America, we see the American flag, and we, see, we stand and we salute it. And we get behind the American flag, most of us, you know, that, that appreciate what God raised up when he raised up this country. And most countries are like that. They look at their, their country and they have a certain reverence for it. And what I'm suggesting to all of us who are returning to Eden, our country is the kingdom of God. Our place is the kingdom of God. That's what this is all about. But we, as the people of the kingdom of God, don't even recognize the flag. We don't recognize the honor of being servants in that kingdom or citizens in that kingdom or even brotherly towards one another in that kingdom. And so what we're all sitting out here doing is we're doing what Cain went out into the world to do. We're doing what some of the Ahab and some of these horrible people wanted. We're doing that. That's what we're doing. Go to Facebook. Spend an hour and a half on Facebook and just skim through some of the conversations about what's right and wrong. And I'm going, how can you raise the banner of the kingdom of God when you look no different than the people out in the field who can and we care don't. less? Yeah. We, we aren't. And I, I'm telling you, it's a syncretism between us and the culture. The culture is deadly. Uh, there is nothing in this culture that I want to replicate in my life. Not anywhere, no how, no way. And if we don't learn to distance ourselves and separate ourselves from that, we just get drawn in. And, you know, we'll just sit down and watch some show that, you know, we ought not to watch or go to some movie. Or I mean, that's fairly benign. But there, everything in the culture is diametrically opposed to the kingdom. Like, I can't think of one thing that I want to emulate in my life. And this is a cautionary word. Uh, one of the things we had talked about is because this, this, the state of the garden, so for whatever reason, Adam allowed the serpent into the garden. And the serpent contaminated the garden. And so God exiled Adam and the serpent out of the garden. And now the garden uh, needed to heal. So what happened was that the land, a, a strain from Adam's sin was put on the land, and the land needed to heal. And it, the only way it can heal is to get the people out of there. And, you know, so this is what we have in ancient Israel. We have all these patterns of sevens, so that the land can heal from Israel's sin, because Israel and Adam, you know, that's that's the same pattern. And so Israel would be removed from the land because the. the it, that her sin had put a strain on the land. And so we, 
we don't want the garden looking like the field <laughs> because it's right. bad enough in the field. And we want to go back to into a place, into Eden, that is pure and perfect and healed and, you know, cleansed and all that. sort. And so God preserves the land of the sacred space. Uh, he gives it time to heal in order for us to come back. But who the heck wants to go back in in the condition that we're in? Well, and, and again, we, if we just follow those patterns, there's reasons for, for the seven-year cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because the sin of mankind, which is lawlessness, it's not an emotional, oh, I did it again, oh, my God, forgive me. No, it's because you blew through the stop sign and you didn't care about it. That's what we did. And, and I'm just as guilty, folks. Don't, don't think I'm not. i got to stand before the judge, not the pastor, not the rabbi. i got to stand before the judge ultimately and explain why my behavior was contrary to the laws of the kingdom, just like everybody else. And so we have to, when we look at it from that perspective, you have a choice. You can keep covenant or you can kick covenant to the curb. Either if you keep covenant, then you're acknowledging the blood that was shed in order for the foundation of the kingdom of God that was poured through the three-year event we would call the life, death, and resurrection of Messiah. You're, you're, you're saying that covenant is invalid because what I want to do is more important. And I want to read these scriptures before we run out of time because I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest as we return to the principles and the practices that God initiated in the garden, in the temple, if we return to those things from a kingdom perspective and not as a, a, um, a religious churchgoer, if I can use that term uh, or however you want to put it. But if we look at it as we have a responsibility in the court of law, not the court of opinion. And so I want to read these scriptures. I'm just going to run through them real quick. And they all touch upon the kingdom, not the church or the sanctuary. Or And I'm not throwing those things under the bus. I'm just simply saying our mindset is not focused on being a citizen of the kingdom. It's trying to get to heaven or whatever is going on, whatever the flavor of the month is for all the people in the field. Anyway, Jeremiah 23.5, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will raise up a righteous branch of David. He will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. Daniel 7.27, and the kingdom and the dominion and the majesty of the kingdom Kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an eternal kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve him and hear him. Ezekiel 37. I spent a lot of time in Ezekiel this week, and also Isaiah. Ezekiel 37:24. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall all walk in mine ordinances and, my, and observe my statutes and do them. Uh, I, I could go down the list. I got a whole lot here. But but what I I'll finish by simply saying this Isaiah two three and many peoples will come and say come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord there's that term mountain Dina mm -hmm. to the house of the God of Jacob there's that term house again and he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths for instructions will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem in other words the law not the emotion the law will be taught. 
to all of the nations because of the house that is being built that governs the sacred space of the God of creation. And the I, King of Kings sits on the throne and brings order and stability to the created order. That's, that's where we're headed. I asked the question, how many denominations are going to be a king in the kingdom? How, how many variations of Hebrew roots are going to be in the kingdom? How many variations of Messianic Judaism or Messianic Christianity is going to be in the kingdom? I, I firmly believe this. The reason why none of those things will be in the kingdom is because Hasatan will not be in the kingdom. And I really mean what I just said. If God is a God of righteousness and justice, then the word religion in the way that it has been bandied about for thousands of years has murdered hundreds of millions of people. That's not a benevolent kingdom, folks. That's not the right way to return to Eden. Tina, we, we're out of time. You want to yeah. close us out? You got any last words? Well, just you know, to kind of reiterate, the concept of a court of law is critical because, in in essence, the garden functioned that way. If the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented God's pure and perfect justice, then the garden was a court. It was a courtroom, and so uh, yeah, Adam kind of got uh, <laughs> he got his penalty kicked out of the garden. That's not that's not what we want. We want to return. And so, anyways. A lot of this that we're talking about is going to be in my new book. I'm happy to say I have three chapters in the can, two more to go, and uh, looking more and more like it'll be done, you know, towards the end of the year. But this has been an extremely difficult book to write, and all these concepts that we've been talking for like the last few months, I've been trying to put in the book in a succinct way, and so that you can follow the stories that I've written and the, the scholarship that goes with it. And hopefully, I, I just pray this book will be transformative. Well, I saw, the, I saw the first chapter. Thank you very much for trusting me with that. And uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy, is it going to uh, twist some of your thinking because we have to go back. Uh, folks, if biting an apple is the backstory then uh, that's a pretty shallow story. Dina kind of invites you to go on a journey. And I can't <laughs> wait for the book to come out. So anyway, this is Jeff Morton and Dr. Dina Dye. You can uh, catch us at, uh, well, you can catch us all over the Internet, unfortunately. That's kind of how we do our ministry stuff. Uh, and also here each week on yeah. Returning to Eden. So we really do appreciate you hanging out with us, and uh, we'll be back next week. And God bless each and every one of you. And remember... You're an image bearer of the kingdom, not the congregation. Amen. Think about that. Amen? Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Shalom. All right. Bye-bye.